If you think you need a rulebook that weighs more than you do to play an RPG, then you might be playing it wrong. And with that, welcome to episode, what is it, 16, 17? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm losing track, and I'm not even going to keep track anymore. Here's another episode of Playing It Wrong, the podcast where I ramble on about games in a really completely immature, unprofessional, and childish manner. But they're games. What are we talking about this week? Um, I am a bad DM. I'm a lazy DM. I'm not lazy in the good way of I'm lazy, efficient, I'm doing things. Yes, hello, here, and we have a dog. The, dog. the dogs are playing along on the episode. I am the lazy kind of DM that is not doing my job very well, and I just realized it this week. And I now have a 50-pound dog in my lap. Yes, okay, there's plenty of room in the chair. No, there's not. <sighs> but I have been doing things a lot. I mean, I've got all these creative ideas, and I really haven't been using all of them, which is lazy on my part, plain and simple. And because it's you get back into your old habits. And, those are not, and it's usually easier to get back into old bad habits than, well, old good habits. I'm not taking advantage of every little creative tool in my my toolbox because, well, right now, part of me says I don't have to because the stock stuff is giving them enough problems and they're having enough fun as it is. But as I was doing this bit of internal critique of my own style, I realized one of the things. The thing that I realized is that I am a reactive DM. So what do I mean by reactive? In this case, we've been running Keep on the Borderlands, and they're still not through with the Caves of Chaos, even though I did two little side quests that I added in. One was a Lost Shrine of the Evil Frog God, and the other was Shadowbrook Manor for Labyrinth Lord. So they've been diverted the last few sessions of not doing the things that are the meat of the actual module. But what I realized is that I was waiting. I was waiting for them to do something to make the plot interesting. The module's job, in this particular case anyway, is not to be that interesting. It's to be that canvas for them to go out and adventure and do stuff. So, waiting for them to do something or have the dice cause something to happen which make things very interesting and start an interesting plot going. Most notably, we have the event, I think I talked about it in the last episode, where there's an item in Shadowbrook Manor that causes confusion and the paladin ended up murdering the rest of the party. Yeah, that's become an interesting plot hook. Especially since the paladin also has a dryad whispering in his ear, well, if you were only strong enough, maybe you could have resisted. It's really not your fault, which is kind of her passive-aggressive way of saying, it's your fault, but I'm the only one that could absolve you. So what I'm saying in this little rant here is that... Despite what plans you, as a dungeon master, have, despite what is in the module or the campaign book or whatever, it's always the players and, like I said, sometimes the dice are what actually make things interesting. I mean, you could have a dungeon full of neat puzzles and traps and everything else, but if they just don't push the red button, solve the puzzles or don't solve the puzzles, or just don't go that way because it's a puzzle, it's boring. It's when they do stuff, they fail, weird stuff happens, that's when things get interesting, and that's when, as DMs and GMs, whatever you want to freaking call it, you step up and you start making shit up. I have no idea what I'm going to make up on this yet. i got another week to figure out what extra torture I'm going to put on that poor paladin. Because they're getting ready to finish up Shadowbrook Manor to head back into town to take care of things. So, 
don't know how well he's going to get away from his lovely dryad companion or what he's going to do or what they're going to do to get him out of it. That's what's going to be interesting. In case you want to know, or placement characters, the bard ended up dying. And uh, <coughs> one of the dragons, excuse me, got a dog foot in my crotch. Uh, came, uh, the new character is a half-orc uh, fighter thief. So this is going to be interesting. We have extra fighter. We have extra thieving abilities now. Still no damn cleric. So once one reason why they're dying and why a bunch of skeletons kicked their ass. Because the cleric could have went, zap, no more skeletons, go away, turn. But no. I guess they're going to wait for the the paladin to get high enough if he doesn't commit suicide or have some other unsavory fate for him to get high enough level to actually maybe turn undead which I mean they're almost up a third okay this is going to end up being a short episode because one I'm dog ass tired and two uh, that was my rant that I had planned for this week so that means we're going on to reading from the little brown books now one thing I want to add as I'm going through I'm still on volume two monsters and treasure and I'm still in the monsters talking about monsters was interesting we had the undead all together so it's not like it's in order because immediately after vampires which I did last week comes cockatrice it is less powerful but more mobile than a basilisk there you go that's a cockatrice basilisk which is next is although this creature cannot fly it has the power of turning the ghost I just screwed that sentence up it can turn you to stone by looking at it and it is not intelligent Medusa well, guess what? Human-type monster with a lower body of a snake and a human torso and head with tresses which are ass. It is able to turn those who look at those who look at it at its eyes to stone. I cannot read today. This is why I'm not doing a full podcast. While the body of the snakes which cover the head is deadly poison. As it is intelligent, it will cleverly attempt to beguile victims into looking at it. It is also subject to the effects of reflecting its gaze. Then we have Gorgons which are the bull monsters covered in iron, and they can turn you to stone with gas. Then manticoras. Not manticoras, manticoras. Huge lion-bodied lion monstrosities with men's faces, horns, dragon wings, and a tail full of iron spikes. There are 24 of these spikes in a manticora's tail. They can be fire six at a time in any one direction within 18 inches of and effective of and in effect of a crossbow. Their favorite prey is man. What are you smoking? Essence of man. And last but not least for this week, we're going to pull up hydras. Unlike the standard mythological concept of the hydra being a snake with many heads, these beasts are large dinosaurs with multiple heads. We just had to be a little different, I guess. I don't know. What difference does it make? Because of its size and constitution, each head is represented by one hit die, and the hit die per head is generally six pips, i.e. six hit points. Thus, a six-headed hydra has six hit dice with six hit points per head for a total of six 36 hit points, for those of you who are really bad at math. When six hit points are scored on it, one head is then killed. Hydras of five heads fight as 5th level fighters, those with 6 heads count as 6th level fighters, and so on. A 10th level, a 10-headed Hydra would fight as a 10th level fighter, even if it had but one head left. Usually, all the Hydra's heads attack simultaneously. Next up, let's talk about Chimeras. They combine the worst of many creatures. Uh, let's see, we got cat, goat, dragon, and three heads. Yeah, yeah. 
the goat head can gorge, and the lion's head can bite, and the dragon's head can bite or breathe fire. Okay, that's it. Wyverns. They're relatives of dragons, but they're smaller and have two legs. Wyvern hasn't doesn't have the breath weapon of a dragon, but they're equipped with a poisonous sting in their tail and poison enough to use it repeatedly. It is their primary defense, and they will use it two-thirds of the time. Biting otherwise... Uh, die five or six to indicate the latter. The tail is mobile. The tail is mobile and can be brought over to the back to reach any opponent standing before its head, which will take us through the end of this section. At least I'm calling it a section, which will bring us up to dragons next, which I'm going to cover next week because the the game is Dungeons and Dragons, so I guess dragons do need some sort of special coverage when you're talking about the damn game. And I know this episode has been short, as not as many of the others, and it's short for even doing a weekly show, so I apologize for that. But, like I said, I'm dog-ass tired. I have a dog who's trying to take over my chair. And also, next week's episode is going to be a big, fun-time episode, because I'm going to rant about a lot of stuff i got planned, but I'm not ready to rant about it on this episode. Oh, no, because I'm stupid. No, because I'm tired and dizzy. Uh, anyway, you know, you... And this is why you listen to this podcast, to hear me screw up, to know that, hey, I'm not as bad as that guy. I can do it better. Anyway, follow us on Facebook at They Might Be Gazebos. Look for the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. And it's the letter B, not B-E, because like I said, I was an idiot when I registered the domain. It, it's on the Anchor profile, too. And subscribe on Anchor. Give us a message on Anchor, or hey, go ahead. Give us an email. Drop us an email. Magicpigmedia at gmail.com. That's magicpigmedia at gmail.com. And I promise also to all my fellow OSR anchorites, I need to get back into leaving you guys messages because I haven't forgotten you. I'm still listening to you. I just haven't gotten around to like calling you, calling you guys and saying hi and enjoying all your shows. So to the listeners, thanks for listening. Roll dice. Kill monsters. Take their stuff. Have fun to the anchorites. Hey, keep up the good work, guys. Keep spreading the word. Keep spreading the fun. Be cool out there, all right? Love you guys.